we need to reach a point where society doesn't go, oh, but you were a man. Hey, this is Karis Ryan and welcome to Teach Me in 20, the podcast where we learn about something new each week. And this week we're chatting with Maddie Harrington. Maddie is a lawyer from Queensland and was a winner of the Out for Australia 30 Under 30 LGBTQI Role Model Award, as well as one of Australia's first openly transgender lawyers. I wanted to chat with Maddie and learn about the process, what she went through and what she had to face, what she was feeling. Hopefully by hearing this chat, you realize that trans people are just like you and I. They just want to be seen for who they authentically feel is themselves. And things like bathroom debates, it sort of should be put to the side and really just focusing on the individual. And hopefully Maddie's story resonates with you. Also, just to point out, some of the questions I ask, I would never ask someone from the trans community. Maddie is a trans advocate in Australia and I actually was introduced to her on a podcast group where she had an Ask Me Anything. So she's open to answering any question I had. And it's a common thing online, people asking quite personal questions like what's going on downstairs and just wanting to know the ins and outs when it's really none of your business, I would say respect people's privacy and would you like someone asking you that question? I hope you enjoy the chat. If you do, make sure you rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Every review you make helps people find the Teach Me In 20 podcast so they'll also be able to find this chat and learn as well. Here we go. Teach Me In 20. Teach Me In 20. Maddie Harrington, welcome on. Thanks so much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. I mean, one of Australia's openly transgender. Could we just say you're the first? Get that claim <laughs> to your name. Uh, I, 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 look, I mean, there's a bit of a technicality here that I do sometimes raise. I was the first openly trans lawyer to be admitted in Queensland because there have been others that have come before me, but they'd more transitioned later in life. And so they were you know, already fully qualified when they... Uh, underwent their transitions and so they never had to go through the same process that I did. Yeah I wanted to ask and it's probably a question you get asked a lot but how old were you when you sort of felt like you were trans? I don't know is that even the most appropriate way to explain that question as well? I don't have any objection to it. Um, I think it's such a unique position to be in and I don't think we truly have words at the stage to fully formulate exactly what it is. But no, I think that question is totally fine. And I think for me personally to answer it, I go, look, I started feeling different at about age eight. Um, I didn't have the words or the vocabulary to say exactly what that different was. I just knew that I wasn't like other guys, other boys my age. Um, I'd always strongly associated with girls. I'd always hung out with girls all through school, um, aside from that short stint at uh, all boys school which was absolutely atrocious and horrible and then I guess for me it was something that had stuck with me through the rest of my childhood and obviously through puberty and into adulthood yeah. um, until we are where we are today. What's it like growing up like that though and feeling just a bit out of place like this isn't the real me? Really really difficult because I mean it didn't help that I moved schools and countries on the regular so um, I was always that outcast. I was always that kid with either the Australian accent in New Zealand or the Kiwi accent in Australia. Um, and so given the Trans-Tasman rivalry that we have, um, it was never a fun time, whichever way you looked at it. 
it was, I, I always found it really difficult to make friends and obviously not knowing who I was also contributed to that because I didn't really want to associate with, you know, the guys. I always wanted to be with the girls, but then I knew that I wasn't a gay man, um, yet I was constantly bullied um, at school for being gay, um, called, you know, all sorts of derogatory terms under the sun um, that you'd associate with gay men. And the entire time I was going, no, like I'm, I'm straight, I think. <laughs> um, but just not really feeling that, knowing, well, no, like I don't like men in that way. Um, I'm, I, I guess by the time I got to kind of high school, I started to be able to more kind of formulate in my head what I thought I was, um, that I was a woman and that I was transgender, but it was not easy. And it took a long time to kind of come to that uh, realization. And I think for me, the, the earliest memory that I have of actually truly knowing what being trans was, was um, I don't know whether you've ever heard of her, but a German pop star called Kim Petrus. Um, I've just recently come to know her. She's obviously got a massive song out at the moment and just saw her in a film clip. And my boyfriend was like, this Kim Petrus, she's transgender as well. Cause I mentioned I was chatting with you. <laughs> yeah. So I came across her back in the days of dial up internet. Um, and <laughs> you know, for all the uh, old folk out there, dial up internet, you know, the, the pain, <laughs> the pain of waiting, what feels like an hour for a single web page to load. Um, but yeah, I remember coming across her. So that would have been, you know, early 2000s, roughly. Seeing a news article written about her, you know, world's youngest transsexual undergoes sex change operation or something like that and being intrigued by it and then reading it going, oh, hell. <laughs> that's when the light bulb truly clicked on for me. It was, oh, so that's what this feeling is. Um, because obviously she went into some sort of detail about, you know, describing her experiences as a child and, um, what we call gender dysphoria or gender incongruence and how that had affected her life. And seeing those parallels between what she said and what I was feeling made me go, oh, okay, so that's what this is. But then just because I had that realisation then didn't make it any easier, um, you know, because I think society projects onto kids, oh, it's just a phase, you'll, you'll grow out of it, um, you know, be that just generally LGBT, you know, gay, bi, lesbian, whatever, um, oh, you'll grow out of it. Or being trans, where literally it's a lot more forceful, oh, you'll grow out of it. So it was something I repressed for probably a, a further 10 years from that point, um, all through puberty up until um, I was 23, when I act actually, pardon me, started my transition. It's been quite the journey. <laughs> It's been a journey that I never expected, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be more out there, whether it's more resources, more education, to help kids that were in your position? I think so. Um, you know, I think sex ed is a great place to start at school, um, not just for trans kids, but also for those that do fall more broadly under the LGBT umbrella. Because, I mean, I think back to sex ed at school and I was just like, none of this really works for me. Like, I don't really associate with any of that. I think we are starting to reach a point, at least uh, in some places around the world, where um, kind of LGBT issues are taught at school. But I, I still think that it has a long way to go. I think, obviously, we saw a lot of backlash in recent years over, say, the Victorian Safe Schools Program, which, um, you know, 
according to conservative newspapers and columnists and commentators was, you know, indoctrination. And so I think we kind of have to reach a point where we no longer consider talking about LGBT topics as being taboo or being indoctrinating to children because, you know, as I just said, I knew from my earliest years that something wasn't right. And I wish that I'd been able to transition as a kid because it would have saved me so much trouble uh, further down the track. I went to Catholic school as well all through my years and it just leaves you with more questions than answers, really. I think it does, doesn't it? It's like, um, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. I mean, birds and the bees is great and all, but like, what really happened? And it's interesting you mentioned before about sexual orientation. There is this misconception that, oh, it, when you transgender, your sexual orientation changes. It's not always the case. I think for me personally, it has changed a little I know people who stay the same, you know, let's say a trans woman who pre-transition was a straight man attracted to women, um, becomes a lesbian post-transition because she's still attracted to women. Um, I know people who have gone the opposite, who are straight men who are now suddenly interested in men, so um, become straight women. And so I think it really comes down to your personality, your upbringing and um, I guess kind of how much you've repressed over the years, I think, to be honest, um, because there is obviously still the stigma in society about being gay. And I think that still on both sides of the coin affects how people view their transitions. I know people that, you know, refuse to go, no, like I would never sleep with a man, even though I'm, you know, trans, because I still see that as, you know, kind of the old me being gay. And I'm like, well, I guess like, I can't change how you think, obviously. But to me, I go, you're you're a woman at the end of the day you do what you need to do but yeah for me my sexuality has shifted somewhat um i'd now describe myself as bi after uh previously having been a straight man but even that still feels foreign to me um ever thinking of myself as a guy full stop is absolutely foreign to me because it's part of my history that i would rather forget right so there's i wanted to ask is there any emotional connection to your previous name or gender I wouldn't say there's an emotional connection. I think I'd say that there's a historical connection still. Um, I think, I guess I could say there's emotional insofar as it hurts if I'm dead named, um, which is obviously referring to my former name. But thankfully that doesn't happen all that much. It's mainly from um, family members that that happens. And it's generally never meant maliciously. It's more, they've known me for 23 years as X and known me for two years as Y. Um, as Maddie, so I, I kind of cut them a little bit of slack in that regard, as much as it does personally hurt me. Um, and the same goes for being misgendered, so being referred to as a man, I, I find that incredibly painful to have to go through because I'm not a man, I never was. I had a medical condition, um, you know, I was born um, with a penis instead of a vagina and, um, you know, male chromosomes and sex characteristics. and a female brain, basically. And so my female brain was telling me the entire time that, hey, something's up, um, I need to change it. Um, and so that's the whole process of what a transition is. You know, I view transitioning as a medical issue. It has a start point, it has an end point, and the treatment is that transition. And once you're finished, you're, you're finished. Um, it's kind of that simple to me. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And it's like the people, for the outside people, it's not affecting you. So it doesn't matter. No, no exactly. Like it's an irrelevant, it's a moot point really. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're women, we're men, we're whatever. 
Um, and I think we need to reach a point where society doesn't go, oh, but you were a man. It's like, no, what I was in the past does not affect who I am now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about as well the process because I have a friend who's got, she's female and she now has the procedure that she can no longer have kids. And she was only allowed that once she hit 30. She knew years before, she knew once she was 15, she didn't want to have kids. Countless medical appointments because the medical industry doesn't want you to then go, oh, wait, I changed my mind. So what's the process like to transition? Not too dissimilar to that, frankly. Um, And I think... It is there for good reason. You know, as you say, um, me being a lawyer, I go, I completely understand where the doctors are coming from because at the end of the day, it's their careers on the line as well. They don't want someone to turn around and then slap a medical malpractice suit on them for uh, whatever procedure. So I think checks and balances like in any situation are good. And I think it's just helpful because, you know, so often, as I said, I didn't have the fully fledged form of what I was in my mind yet. I, I knew I was something, but I needed help to kind of work it out and to find the words for it. And so um, I guess in a general nutshell, the procedure generally is, at least what I did, uh, was that I went to a GP, just my standard local GP. He was great. I had no idea what to expect. Um, you know, I bowled my eyes out in front of him going, I think I'm trans. And he's like, it's okay. I am so proud of you. I want you to know that um, because what you're doing is taking mm-hmm. an incredible step. I'm not best placed to help you, but I'm going to get you the help that you need. You know, I'm going to refer you to someone that can help. And so from there, he referred me to a specialist psychologist who predominantly specializes in helping trans clients, but also um, people with addiction issues and um, other LGBT members. And so he was like, this this person will be best place to help you. He knows everything. He knows the process like the back of his hand. And he was right. He absolutely does. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, I won't lie. It was a very difficult few months with him uh, at the beginning there because to get the diagnosis, the formal diagnosis of gender dysphoria, I had to go through so many very intrusive questionnaires so that he could work out basically whether it was genuine as per the Uh, World Pathological Association's guidelines, um, or whether it was something else, say like autism or Asperger's, where you latch onto something and, you know, more, more care needs to be taken. And so, yeah, as I say, some of the questions were pretty invasive and weren't fun, but also I went to myself, look, I have to answer these questions as truthfully as possible. Um, There's no point, you know, garnishing the truth here because otherwise it's going to give me something that I don't want and I think that honesty was very helpful for me because it truly allowed me to open up and go okay so like what things in my past have I repressed that have led me to this point Um, and so yeah from there I think it was about three months worth of weekly sessions with this guy to try and get to that point of Firstly, unpacking all that trauma from the past and then starting to work on the issues of gender dysphoria and understanding what that means and unpacking that um, before finally getting that piece of paper, basically, that said, yes, this person is genuinely um, dysphoric. They feel that disconnect between their brain and their body. And then from there, he referred me to an endocrinologist who prescribed me with hormones. And so that endo then gave me another third degree, um, obviously, to ensure her practicing certificate was fine. Um, and all that. So all up, it was a good six months 
of pain before I was able to start hormones. And so all of that time as well was spent trying to negotiate my personal life, how to, how this was going to affect me. Um, you know, cause at the time I was in my final year of law school, I hadn't yet graduated. I hadn't yet got a, a graduate job. And so I was like, what does this mean for me? Like, how am I going to navigate this? Because I didn't know of any other openly trans lawyers at that stage. Yeah. That, I mean, that must've been quite scary. I mean, first off hats off to that GP who was so lovely and supportive. What was it like getting that piece of paper that was like, here you go. Yes, you are what, I guess what you say you are. I felt like I had the closure that I'd been needing to have my entire life. Like people say it's not good to put a medical spin on things. But for me, it was like, I, I knew this, but I wanted that kind of piece of paper to confirm it. So that was kind of the way I viewed this was that, look, this is just a formality. I know what I am, but also I just want to yeah. make sure that I'm doing things right by me um, so that I'm not rushing into things that I'm not going to make a brash decision that I then regret later in life. That's not to say that, you know, those that don't go through that process will detransition or anything like that. Yeah. Just for me, this was the, the decision that um, resonated most with me and is kind of the official procedure that you need to go through in Australia, at least. Yeah. Did you have a good support network around you, family and friends? I had a limited support network, I guess you could say. Um, when I came out to my ex-partner, uh, we broke up. Uh, we'd been together for five years nearly, um, lived together, were engaged and had a wedding booked, honeymoon all paid for, all that. Um, they supported me through it in the early days really well. Um, they didn't, neither of us really knew at that point what it meant for our relationship, but they were kind enough to go, look, right now I'm putting aside the relationship and just caring for you as a person, which I thought was really amazing and incredible. And then I came out to my dad um, and my stepmom, and I couldn't have asked for a better response. You know, my dad has, I wouldn't say he's conservative, but he's still, you know, old school as, you know, most 50 something year old men are. They didn't grow up with this, so it's not something that they know about. And so it's all a bit foreign to them, but he handled it so amazingly well. He's like, look, I don't know what to say. Um, I don't know what to do, but I just want you to know that I love you and that this is always going to be a safe space for you here. And I want you to know that I'm going to work on this and that I'm going to study and I'm going to learn. I'm going to be in this with you together, oh, great. which took me completely off guard. And I was a blubbering ball by the end of it. Um, as was he, mind you, which was the second time that I'd ever um, seen him cry in my entire life. And then mm. on the other hand, I had my mother who I flew back to New Zealand to come out to in person. Um, and I had the complete opposite response. I had, this is a phase, you'll grow out of it. What are you doing? You're rushing into it. You're throwing your life away. How dare you think about us? You know, the complete opposite response. And I mean, that wasn't unexpected. It was definitely something that I'd gone into it knowing for well was going to happen, but that didn't make it any easier. You know, I kind of just sat there being berated by my mother at the time. Now, thankfully, two years down the track, things are a little bit better. They're not perfect. But I'm working on it with her and it's it's a challenge. Um, but, you know, no one's perfect. And so it causes me some distress still. Um, but what can you do? You know, I'm not willing to cut her out of my life. Um, so I've got to try and work with her and, you know, slowly guide her along the path until we meet as equals. And 90% of the time, she's pleasant enough to deal with. You know, I love her to bits still. She's still my mother. 
but it's it's not fun when um, she gets on one of those <laughs> ranty moods, shall we say? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's and otherwise, I didn't really have any friends at that point. I'd worked full time through uni, so I didn't really go to uni all that much. So I didn't have a huge network of friends like I do now. Um, so I guess my support network has really grown since I came out and started living into my authentic self. Fantastic. What do you have advice for parents whose child has come to them saying, I think I'm trans or something doesn't feel right. What advice do you have for them? I think listen to them. Know that kids aren't stupid. Um, you know, kids say things for a reason. I think, I, I think it's so hard because I don't know what it's like from a parent's perspective. Um, but I think listen to them, be an ear for them. And, you know, if they're telling you that it's really bad and that it's really uncomfortable, then try and find someone that can help. You know, particularly with children, it's so pertinent to get in early uh, before puberty, particularly because once puberty happens, a lot more work has to be undone for you to fully be who you are sort of thing. And so um, I think a lot of parents are concerned about it. And I think rightfully so. No parent wants to put their child in harm's way. And I think society still has a long way to go in terms of recognising that trans people aren't a burden um, and aren't something to be harassed or bullied or feared. And so I definitely understand the concern, but I think at the end of the day, you have to listen to your child. Yeah. In taking the hormones as well, Maddie, does that take a toll on you? Are you feeling drained? Is it tiring? Even emotionally, mentally? How's, how do you go through all of that? I mean, it's fun going through a second puberty in your mid-20s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the mood swings that come with that and being grouchy at times and just that sort of thing. Um, I think, to be honest, though, it's been fine for me. The biggest issue I think having to come to terms with was the sudden lack of strength that you get when you start taking testosterone blockers um, because it completely suppresses and nukes your testosterone. And so, you know, you yourself as a biological woman would have more testosterone running through your body than what I do um, because I have absolutely none. And so that affects simple things like being able to exercise and, um, you know, obviously moving uh, from house to house as I've done a few times. uh, It's also incredibly draining. So I do get fatigued a little easier than what I did in the past. But I think overall, aside from the little bits and bobs of um, I'm a lot more emotional than what I used to be and I think, if anything, it's kind of mellowed me out a little bit more than what I used to. Um, I used to be very quick to anger, whereas now it takes a lot to get me right up. So there's been some benefits to it, that's for sure. And um, I'm starting to see my body come into its own in a way that I'd always wanted it to be, you know, starting to see hips form and curves and things like that and go, okay, my body looks like a woman's body now. This is great. I'm really happy. Um, there's nothing masculine about my body anymore. And so my dysphoria has dropped to all time lows because of that. So in general, my mental health has improved big time and I'm really happy for that. That's great. Do you, when you meet people, do you tell them that you are transgender or is it something that comes up? I did in the early days, um, particularly when my voice was a lot deeper. I hadn't trained it. Um, and my face was still very masculine. Um, I would kind of get on the front foot and go, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm trans. Whereas now I rarely mention it in public at all. Um, I think in the legal profession, it's, you know, 
a pretty well-known secret that I'm trans. Um, you know, I'm out there quite a lot doing a lot of things, as you know, uh, advocacy-wise and whatnot. But I tend to not make it an issue. I'm just a woman at the end of the day. You know, I look like a woman. I think I sound like a woman. Um, I got complimented by a random rail security guard last night for being a really tall, gorgeous woman. He's like, oh my God, you are so tall. You're gorgeous. Like, wow, do you like being tall? And I was like, I kind of hate being tall, actually. Um, but thanks. So smooth by the rail guy. Smooth as. I know. I was just like, and I had noise cancelling headphones on as well. So I was like, what? What, what did you say? <laughs> um so yeah like I get compliments from men now which is completely foreign to me um because I pass you know I'm just read as any other girl on the street um you know to them they don't know and they have no need to know um I even had one guy accost me outside of Target uh asking me to come home with him I was like hey what <laughs> no um Target's the new pickup place apparently <laughs> apparently so, you know, all of these things that I go, you know, wouldn't happen to anyone else if, you know, to a, a guy, for instance, but because I'm now a woman, it's just like the audacity of some people, you really start to see the kind of blatant sexism and misogyny in society that just casually comes out every now and again, because I'm read as a woman, no one knows that I'm trans in society. So, you know, they don't treat me any differently to any other woman. And so... It's definitely been eye-opening in that regard, for sure. Mm. Welcome to female life, the wolf whistles, the cat calls. Oh, aren't we lucky? Oh, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. Like, it's disgusting. It's like, and I mean, because I had that upbringing as a guy as well, I go, I, you know, getting changed in locker rooms with older guys for PE and things like that. And, you know, to quote Donald Trump, hearing the locker room talk, you know, I just go, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And it was mm. never something that I understood or felt comfortable with. And, you know, growing up, especially, I hated having to get changed. Um, I even hated having to go to the beach and, you know, basically being told to take my top off for things because I didn't feel comfortable showing my bare chest because I didn't like that it didn't have boobs, as stupid as that sounds, um, because it was such a masculine looking chest to me that I felt dysphoric about it and I was like I don't feel comfortable like this and you know nowadays I'll happily go to the beach with my girlfriends and wear a bikini and just sunbathe and go for a swim and it just feels right and it feels comfortable um you know it's it's simple as that have can I ask and you can choose not to answer this have you had breast surgery since transitioning no so I'm kind of tossing up whether to get that down the track um, yeah. I'm basically waiting, you know, cause it's puberty, things take time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go, look, we'll see what happens in a few more years. It's nothing pressing right now. Um, if at all, um, it's kind of just a wait and see sort of game for me, at least. Um, I know others though, that are probably at similar points in their journeys as what I am, who have already had it done. And I go, yep, more power to you. Um, but just for me, one like I'm not made of money so you know I'm like every surgery has a dent on my bank account or in this case on my super so you know I want to make that last because I still want to be able to retire one day without having you know drained my super entirely when I was young yeah absolutely 
Have you noticed you've had to change any behavior as a female? I've read you were talking about, you know, walking home late at night by yourself. You never thought twice about it as a guy and now you do. Uh, Just stuff like that. Is there any other examples? See, I'd say yes, but in the sense that my mannerisms and my behavior have now come into their own. You know, previously my mannerisms and my behaviors would have been considered feminine. Um, and that was what kind of targeted me for bullying. But now they don't make me stand out um, because, you know, they fit. Um, they fit the picture, if that makes sense. So, um, but otherwise, yeah, just, you know, dealing with, I still get absolutely petrified some days of going into the bathrooms to, you know, do my business and get gone because I still worry that someone one day will go, hang on, you're trans you know, you're a guy, get out. And it's like, I don't want to cause anyone any fear, but also I'm a human being. I have, you know, a bladder like everyone else. So it's really difficult because that fine line for me of respecting and not wanting to push the boundary too far, but also still going about my life, you know, as any other woman who, you know, is 25 does, you know, at a restaurant, at a bar. I'm, I'm certainly a lot more cautious now. I've been, I still remember one time uh, early on in my transition where I realized that I'd lost that uh, straight white boy privilege when I had left my friends at a nightclub to go home by myself. No one had walked out with me. I was just by myself. I was waiting for my Uber and then two guys literally appear out of nowhere right before me um, and start trying to hit me up. And you know, I was absolutely petrified. I was shaking even because, you know, I was so scared of what they would do to me if they found out that I was trans, um, let alone a woman, you know, because I go, there's that added fear almost of being a trans woman. When they read you as a woman, they're expecting something that's not there. And so when they kind of see that, their minds instantly go, oh, that's a man. And, you know, there's so many documented cases of trans women being assaulted and attacked um, just for existing and being trans. And, you know, that scares me. Yeah. How we got in touch was you had an open discussion where people could ask you anything, which was so strong of you. But one thing you said is that transitioning, it is really scary. And I think, you know, as you just mentioned there, the bathroom debate, transgender people have enough to go through as it is transitioning that we don't need to add to it and add more fear. No. We should be a little bit more understanding. And I mean, I get it. I, I'm apprehensive still when I see like, a non-passing trans woman use the bathroom. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a natural fear that we do have. Um, but also I think we kind of need to take a step back from that and go, no, it's okay. They're not here to do anything. They're just here to go to the bathroom like I am. You mentioned as well, Maddie, voice training. Can I ask what that entails? Basically learning how to speak again. For probably six months when I first came out was seeing a speech pathologist and, you know, learning how to keep my larynx at a certain height, um, to not let it drop below certain levels and things like that in order to sound more feminine. Um, There are other more invasive ways that I didn't want to go down, such as getting vocal surgery. But for me, because I was a singer in a previous life, I'm like, I ain't touching that with a 10 foot pole. Um, Yeah you know, where they basically make a slit uh, on your vocal cords and then tie them up so that you can't get below a certain pitch. For me, that wasn't an option that I was willing to consider. So I had to go down the natural path of, let's just work at this. Um, And, you know, kind of 
inch by inch by inch learning to speak again, really. She would get me to read out passages of a magazine. You know, men have traditionally more of a monotone voice. It's quite flat. There's not really that much emotion. Uh, whereas women obviously talk with much more expression. Um, you know, there's the peaks and the troughs and all that sort of jazz. And so um, for me as a singer, it kind of came naturally because I was already used to expressing um, myself when I sung and when I did acting and things like that. So all of that coupled with not having a deep baritone voice or bass voice to begin with, you know, it was incredibly beneficial to me. But again, none of that came cheap. No, no. And that's the thing. It is so costly. And I was looking at, you know, downstairs surgery. It's like 70K and it's not like the government's supporting you on this. So it pays all of basically 10 bucks towards it. Um, (laughs) So it's a great contribution right there. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what has dating life been like for you? I'm sure that's posed its challenges. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) um, The number of times I've just cracked the shits and just deleted the apps out of sheer frustration. Um, I can't say that I've ever faced any hostility on there. It's more just you know, matching with someone who then reads your bio and then unmatches you immediately. Um, Or uh, someone that will blatantly say, look, sorry, like, I respect you, but also I'm not willing to date you. So it's incredibly frustrating, particularly because, you know, being a bi woman, I have to deal with men um, who generally don't read my bio, even though I have it prime of place. I'm very open about it on dating apps because I go, look, I'd rather be upfront um, than waste my time with someone that I form a bond with. And then I say, well, actually, hey, look, before we meet, I need to tell you something um, to then just all have it fall apart. Yeah. Um, And even just from a safety point of view as well, it it constantly weighs on my mind Mm -hmm. that I'm in such a vulnerable position uh, when I'm going on a date with someone that I want to have safety front of mind, be it first and foremost. And, you know, I also want that person to feel comfortable. You know, I don't want to spring anything on them that they're not comfortable with. And so I'd rather that they say that they're not um, willing to date me because it means that, you know, at least they're honest and upfront about it and it saves us issues further down the track. Um, It is difficult and it is exhausting. Oh, the stories I hear from my girlfriends. Oh, like, is this what we've come to people? (laughs) I'm glad that I have two girlfriends that are absolutely incredible and, you know, love me for who I am because we get along like a house on fire. Um, You know, all of us are single. It's absolutely hilarious. Like we're constantly ascending each other, you know, crappy profiles of people that we come across and just going, again, this is why I'm single. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I've got friends to do that with. So, Maddie, you're an advocate for trans people everywhere, for transgender women. What's one thing you would like to change about society's views on transgender? I think my biggest gripe is that a lot of people still see us as men. Um, And it can, I mean, it's been something that I really struggled with, particularly last week, was um, I had a real moment going is society ever going to see me as a woman or are they always going to see me as a trans woman? Because I don't want that. I don't want to be seen as a trans woman. 
um, because that's not what I am. Because trans is an adjective, it's a journey. It's a medical issue, as I said at the beginning, for me. And so at the end of the day, I see myself only as a woman. And, you know, I worry that I'm going to be taken less seriously because I'm trans. You know, people are going to go, oh, but you're not a real woman. You know, things like that, those little put downs, but they don't really intend to be offensive, but also are incredibly offensive. Like, you know, to me, I go, sure, I can't naturally carry a child, um, but there's a lot of normal women who were born women that can't do that either. So, you know, why are we insisting on these strict stereotypes of what it means to be a woman? Because, you know, you do realize that by saying these things, you're also cutting out a large proportion of cis women as well. Um, and so how do you think that makes them feel? Are they suddenly not a woman because they can't carry a child, for instance, or you know, they don't get a period for whatever, you know, they've had a hysterectomy or what have you. It's kind of the hypocritical double standards that I get a bit frustrated at. And I go, you know, we are just normal women. We're not trying to push the boundaries. Yes, there are some people that do that. But I think don't believe everything you see uh, on the news or on the internet, um, you know, because there's a lot more sane, rational people out there than there is insane and irrational people out there. And so um, the vast majority of us are just wanting to get on with our lives and just live our lives and be happy. Um, you know, I know that for me personally, my transition has caused my happiness to increase tenfold. I was, you know, deeply depressed without even realizing it. You know, I had a good job. I was engaged. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm fine. I'm not depressed. <laughs> but then when I look back at old pictures of myself and I go, oh yeah, you were depressed. <laughs> um, and it was just something that I hadn't even realized. But now I can look back objectively and go, yeah, no, you weren't happy there. You weren't comfortable with yourself. And so that caused so many detrimental knock-on effects, to, not only to your relationship, but to your friendship and friendships and everything like that. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, just my one takeaway is that we are real women. You know, our journeys are just as unique as anyone else's. Um, we all have challenges that we face that we have to overcome and we all have, you know, unique journeys. It's no different to anyone else in, in the world. And so respect us as that, see us as trans women in the sense that, you know, you're not going to deny us basic rights like we're starting to see in the US, you know, with the attempt of the Trump administration to remove healthcare rights and things like that. But understand at the end of the day, we're no different to anyone else on this planet. And, you know, for people like me, we should just be seen as any other woman and respected and treated as such. Yeah. Maddie, thank you so much for sharing your story. You've been such an advocate and you continue to be for trans women and the transgender community. Thank you for teaching us today about your transgender journey. Thank you so much. It'll only cost you 20 minutes. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed that chat with Maddie Harrington. If you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to join our Facebook group, the Teach Me in 20 podcast Facebook group, where you get to ask the questions if there's something I've missed. And if you want to keep learning something new each week, make sure you subscribe to the Teach Me in 20 podcast so you can be notified when the next episode is out and continue learning with me. Bye. Teach Me in 20. Teach Me in 20.